0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here with DAPS, the second part of my dueling questions with him. We booked a half hour. We went longer than that. We had a good time and different perspectives, but both of us love the hobby. So thanks, DAPS, for your questions, and thanks, sponsors. Top Spinini Upper Deck Heritage Auctions, Hugging the Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comcy and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So, here's the rest of the dueling questions with Daps.
1: I find myself searching eBay, or when I see it at a show. The prime of my collecting as a kid was the '95, '96, '97 metal basketball, football, right when I see those cards, there's something that just triggers and goes off in my brain. And then I go on a rabbit hole. I did this yesterday. I'm like, I need the whole 95. PSA 10. Right. And then I'm looking at, oh, I remember this card. I had this Rodman and this Jordan and this Ewing and this Charles Oakley. I grew up in New York, so I'm a Knicks fan. So all those cards I really resonate with. And I'm curious as to when you're at a show, do you have those same kind of Memories of being at a show as a kid, what you collected as a kid, and then seeing it later and going, oh, I want to collect that again.
0: I felt that way about the 56 top set, but I've already got the set, and I got the set fully autographed. So I completed it, Daps. But what I can see from just the whole idea of collecting what you like is the message that I want to send. I don't really want to be collecting what other people want me to collect.
1: I completely agree. And a lot of people don't even know about ninety-five or ninety-six or ninety-seven
0: metal. It should. Those are some of the most beautiful comments. Base cards. You know, now I I think you're talking about just the base set, which is yeah, and you want to sleep like you just said upload the base. The parallels get all the action. I was around in those days and I'm thinking, how could those products not be completely sold out? and be in great demand right from the get-go, because they were through and through a fabulous product with really great base cards and really worthy chase cards that were beyond worthy. You rarely saw them. And that
1: was, going for crazy money right they're now. They're
0: going for crazy, but went back in the day, we didn't see them. It's not that they were priced low. They just weren't for sale. You just didn't see them. And yet, why were not people, as you have a sharp eye, I have a sharp eye, why were they not saying... 28 years ago, 27, 26 years ago, these are great looking cards. The graphic design was unprecedented with the arena designs, and yet they were ahead of their time. Those are fabulous cards. Even a base set is better than a lot of the cards that are inserts, let's say.
1: So I have this discussion pretty often now because you see the value of those 90s Jordan cards that are super rare, right, short print, SP. And now my mind goes towards 10 years after that, there's a lot of LeBron James and Kobe Bryant, 05, 06, 07, tops, chrome. That's the next set I really find myself admiring, and I go, in 20 years from now, will LeBron follow Jordan's pace of short print of a year that's not his rookie year, right? It's his second year, third year, fifth year, but the card design was incredible. The artwork was there, the refractor. There's only X amount of gem mint tens in that particular card. Does the value of LeBron in 10 or 20 years, or even Kobe? And I'm sure there's a Tom Brady, there's a handful of guys. Does the value of those guys in short prints 20 years from now do what Jordan's doing right. now? From the 90s?
0: There's two differences. One is the difference that I think collectors now are much more graphic design savvy because of all the digital media tools. The younger collector is used to doing their own art or just evaluating art and seeing things. They know what looks good, but all those look good. And the second thing is in the mid 90s, grading was not fully entrenched. There was some grading, but now if you've got pristine or gem mint cards, even of those base cards of Jordan, You've got something. And it used to be that back in those days, it didn't matter if it was mint. It just was a card. And it was just a base card. And so it's gone up like crazy. We're never going back to that. There'll always be grading. And there'll always be people who want the finest condition card. And when it's a little bit low on supply, and especially low on supply in that condition, with a beautiful card design, yeah, all things being equal should be going up. But again, you're not alone in that. You're contemporaries. People are going to be thinking that way. But the time to do something about it is now. Now you're a content creator as I am, and you can tell everybody about it. But on the other hand, just if you think that's a good deal, just buy them. Just buy them. And you can tell other people, be transparent about it. But you know, if it's a good deal, but those are great cards. And any card from 28 years ago could easily get dinged you got to penny sleeve it, top load it, card saver it, send it off to grading. I won't say it's a conditioned rarity because there could still be thousands of gem Mint cards. But if Fanatics 10Xs, like we're saying, they're not going to be enough to go around. And either it's going to bid up the cards or people will go to something else. So they're always going to go DAPs to something that's attractive, that's superstar oriented, that has some level of scarcity or some ability to flex or brag that I have it. Let's switch over to Fanatics. I don't know if you've had much conversation with them, but do you have any advice for them? They should be talking to lots of different people, and they probably are. But what advice would you give Fanatics? I've been
1: fortunate enough to speak with a number of executives on the Fanatics team, and they've been good to us over here at Dapp Sports. We had Ruben over here at the shop. He came. We did a little box war. We had a great time. They are doing so many things And it seems like every couple months they have a new venture they're getting into. They're going to be getting into live events. And I think that's super cool because imagine if sports cards, and I know we have the National, but imagine if we had something more like a Comic Con, right? A little bit more spruced up, a little bit more costumes. Maybe people are dressing up. It's more of an event because the National is a true event for collectors, right? Buy, sell, trade, experience collectibles. But to 10x the hobby, you have to mix that with culture, right? You have to mix that with a couple of other things. And I think that's what Fanatics is going to set out to do. We were at ComplexCon, this event in Long Beach, California, last year, and Topps had a booth there. And the majority of the show is clothing, right? Sneakers, all these different things that I don't necessarily admire the way I admire cards, right? But Topps had an incredible setup there. They told this really cool story. There was these large shipping containers, and Topps didn't know what to do with all these cards back in the 50s or whatever it was, and they ended up dumping these shipping containers into the bottom of the river in New York. We're talking about Jackie Robinson's and Mickey Mantles and really cool cards that would be expensive these days, and they're at the bottom of the river, we think, or we don't know. So they set up this really cool display at Complex Con where you put this glove on and you dipped your hand into this... Fake little water pond, and then you pull out either Jackie Robinson, Willie Mays, or Roberto Clemente out of this sealed pack. They give the audience or the user the experience of, hey, in order to get these cards, we'd have to jump into the river, right? And go to the bottom and figure out, hey, are they still intact? But it was a really cool story that Tops told at a live event, and it wasn't a sports card event, it was a clothing event.
0: First of all, I was alive when the Tops Hudson River fiasco supposedly took place, and I've heard it straight from Cyberger, the decision maker at Topps back in those days, but be that as it may, I've been to Comic-Con many times because we used to do a lot of non-sports stuff when I had the company, and I don't want the National to turn into Comic-Con, but I would love to have Fanatics or anybody else do something like a Comic-Con that's minimally overlapping with the National. I don't want the National to turn into Comic-Con. I don't want Comic-Con to be just a glorified card show. I think there's room for a lot of those things, just like I'd like to see more fan fests at the respective regional areas around the country. So that's how the 10X is going to happen. The National is a sports collector's convention. It cannot 10X. You can't have 5 million square feet. It- Some people have thought it'd be better if the national incorporated those elements. And I think it could lose its identity. Please. Comic-Con has a lot of other celebrity and uh, cosplay and seminars and all that stuff. And it's a different experience that's fabulous. But if you throw five or 600 booths in the middle of it, you'll mess it up.
1: I would agree. I think in a perfect scenario, you would have the national... Staying in exactly as it is intact in July, August, and then six months from them, you have the inverse of that show, which might be the Fanatics Comic-Con version of sports cards, where, again, it's got to be a blend of a couple different collectible
0: industries or different markets. Comic-Con is fabulous in a different way, and there could be a sports version of Fanatics could really get behind that would not in any way take away from the national.
1: I completely agree. I think the national stays exactly the way it is. And I think there needs to be more events that involve sports cards throughout the year that people who have not experienced a hobby can attend.
0: That are fun. And like you said, that are interactive, that are experiential. There's plenty of TikTok videos that you can passively watch. You need to go to a show and not get your hands dirty, but you need to get involved in real life. And I, I hope Fanatics will help bring that. That's going to be the 10X. Another podcast, I was talking about when you go skiing, nobody talks about how much money they made on a skiing trip. (laughs) You go to the beach, they'll say, how much money did you come back with? It's only at a card show, which to me is more fun than skiing and more fun than going to the beach. And I'm liable to come back with more money than I left with. And I've had a great time and see people that are like-minded. And so breaking, even if you say, I didn't get my money's worth. But I got my enjoyment's worth. I I got to experience this with like-minded people. We had a good time. I didn't win big this time. Maybe I lost a little in a sense, but I had a great time and I want to do it again. Otherwise, breaking would be extinct. It's not just a purely financial thing. It's a fun thing.
1: I understand the negative connotations about breaking. I've been doing this every day for four years now, and I wouldn't be doing it if it didn't have a number of positive attributes. If We all intend to 10x the hobby. I do not believe you can do that without breaking. Think about how many people see products and how fast they can see it when a thousand breakers go live with a new product. First, not everybody can afford the boxes, but everybody can participate. 300, 200, 150 people can be watching a new box be opened. and. I understand the positives to being able to go to your local card shop and grab a box and rip it open in the comfort of your own home and have that experience of touching and feeling the cards. Listen, I love cards. I love to open packs. That's why I break. But at the same time, it's a convenience thing. You might be working nine to five all day. You come home after an hour long commute. You're on your couch and you want to rip a pack of cards, but you can't get to your local card shop without another hour in the car. When it comes to convenience... And 10xing the hobby, I think breaking is incredible.
0: What I'm saying is breaking is a fabulous entry point for this industry. What I have against it is the same thing I have in favor of it. And that is that knowledge is really not required. That's a good thing, because then anybody can get in and enjoy it. And it's a bad thing that knowledge is not required. To me, the journey for an enduring hobby experience is gaining knowledge, gaining friends. Gaining enjoyment along the way. To do that, you need to know better what you're doing. And that's the recipe for growing the hobby because not only are you getting new people, you're not losing any of the old people. They're life.